Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for June 27th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It takes you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Mike Spears, joining alongside, as always, K-Slow. In case, I just finished this afternoon. We're in the middle of a huge heat stretch right now. It's it, it, it's 109 out. Like, honestly, it's 109. Uh, case, I have to ask you about a TV show that I don't think we've talked about so far. Have you ever seen The Bear? Oh, boy. Okay. Really funny you ask that today of all days. I have not seen The Bear. It is... The most Chicago-centric show possibly to ever exist. I, of course, live in Chicago. It looks awesome. Uh, they have been using heavily this year, I guess, in the show, the song Strange Currencies by R.E.M., which I think R.E.M. is one of the five greatest bands of all time. I would put Strange Currencies probably not in my top five, but definitely in my top ten R.E.M. songs. And this afternoon, uh, the, the two brands, The Bear and R.E.M., released a music video of strange currencies with clips of both Chicago and the bear sort of mixed in. And it was the most goddamn beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So I have not seen the show yet, but by this time next week, it might be a different answer. You know, it's not a very big watch. I think between the two seasons that have come out, it's 18 episodes. Most of them uh half hour length, a couple long ones. And it, it, it is something that like, as a Chicago and it I, I I think you will find it very interesting how realist is I have a a family member uh d- departed family member who lived only in Chicago for six years 
but had the thickest Chicago accent that the only other person I've heard speak like this is Oliver Platt on The Bear. He plays like a Polish crime boss, and it's great. I find the Chicago accent to be very attractive. If you pronounce the word hockey and you say it with like an A-W instead of an O, I'm in. All right, I'll listen to your story. What's up, baby girl? Yeah. Yeah. So about that. <laughs> oh, 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 no. If you're someone that when you want to say, hey there, baby girl, you go, hey, dare. Ah, you, you, you've got it going on right there because I have etched in my brain. Hey, there, Mike, in the most Chicago accent possible. So not to continue to talk about the weather because we are days away from the biggest Gate show of the year and a show that I'm elated to talk about. I mean, we technically spent three hours talking about it three days ago, but I messaged you at the end of that episode. I said, I still have more to say. Let's knock out another Kobe World preview, just you and I, uh, after the uh, very long, very insightful, very interesting episode with Jay, Dragon English commentator. If you have not heard that episode, and for some reason you're listening to this episode, pause this, listen to Jay, come back and listen to us. We've done a lot of podcasts with Jay over the years. That was my favorite one we've done by far. I just, I had such a good time doing it. I, I was thinking, you know, I've known Jay for like a decade at this point. He's never been that open, that talkative, uh, that insightful before. I enjoy every time we record with Jay. There's a reason we do it as often as we do. But I thought that episode was a ton of fun, and I'm delighted with the feedback. But weather, real quick. Are you aware what's going on with the weather in Chicago today? Y'all have, like, more smog. Like, your air quality is out of whack, right? We have the worst air quality in the United States right now. It might be the world, for all I know. It's not New York City levels of bad where, you know, like three weeks ago in New York, it looked like the end of times. It's not that bad, but it looks horrible outside. And it's awful if you step out there. Today has sucked. Every time I look outside, it is just a gloomy, dusty, uh, choke-inducing, gag-inducing, I guess rather the term, mess. I hate it. I don't want to live like this anymore even though I realize this is probably just the first of many smoke climate related disasters of my lifetime. Yeah. It's one of those things that I was, uh, when I was in South Carolina, since I was like right on the edge of the Appalachians, like there were bad forest fires up in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And it's one of those things that completely kind of different event, more like the event that happened in New York, but it is something that like you go outside and the human body is not, conditioned like innately whatever it is in our lizard brain we're we're not geared to like look outside and have like the smog the smoke and all of this like our brains aren't me our brains don't recognize that as right but like they, they look at this as like no this is not home this is not what it is and it's one of those things that you feel like you're on mars yeah i just I'll, all day i've been thinking about that line from the simpsons movie where bart says something along the lines of man, this has been the hottest summer of my life. And then Homer says, this has been the hottest summer of your life so far. And I just, I feel like we're doomed for more and more of these. That's a very pessimistic look on life as we approach a, a weekend that I'm very optimistic about for the sake of Dragon Gate. Yeah, so Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival, the 24th edition of it, is coming up on Sunday from uh, Kobe World Cannon Hall. As Kay said, we have a three-hour uh, show that we dropped just this Monday. So 
it, it go make sure to check that out. Thanks for everyone for the kind words about it. But we've had a bit of a card shakeup. This was something that we kind of were speculating, wish casting with Jay on Saturday because they did change around uh, one of the uh, tag team matches with the breakup of Kongo. Masaki Mochizuki now is teaming with Kano, not Don Fuji, and Don Fuji and Suji Kondo, as well as the uh, Mochizuki Jr. has been cleared along with Roya Tanaka. They are the rookie selection for the advance match. But so with these changes, Case, I where has where does this leave you now? We're five days out. We now have the full complete card. We never know what X is for Ichikawa until the the day of. I think we could kind of now like take a step back and look at this card, and it just I I don't know why those two changes have like left this like mark on me, kids. But like I, it feels a little bit more complete in a way that did not feel on Saturday. I yeah, you know, I'm really excited that. Mochizuki Jr. is back in the fold, even if it's a dark match, because, you know, if, if you're just jumping on for World and maybe this is your preview, Mochizuki Jr., prior to getting injured in early May, was the best wrestler in the company, not named Madoka Kakuta, current Open the Dreamgate champion, and Yuki Yoshioka challenging for set Open the Dreamgate championship. Uh, he was teaming with his dad at the start of the year, they were having banger after banger. I, I, at one point this year, made an impassioned plea uh, that they were having a better tag team year than Aussie Open or go to a Yoshihashi or FTR or any of the, the names that people want to throw out there. They were excellent. Junior hurt his neck really bad, uh, as Jay and I talked about. It, and, and, you know, uh, not just Jay and I, but you, me, and Jay uh, talked about on uh, on Monday. You know, Junior got hit with a DDT by Minarita on a house show and couldn't move for two minutes. So very scary injury, but he's back. He's wrestling here, and then he'll be at the Mochizuki Proto Show uh, a week after that. So I'm delighted that he's back. Uh, that's that's very good news for me. As for the Congo tag switching to a non-Congo tag, I would say my excitement level for that match in its original incarnation was like a nine, and now it's like an eight point five. I, I really. I love the idea of Mochi Fuji having a big Kobe World match, and I guess they technically still will, but just on opposing sides. I, I think that the big change with Mochi Fuji, like losing the Mochizuki Kano matchup, is really the change, right? Like it, Don Fuji and Sushi Kondo face off. That's whatever, but really, you you want to see the the strikers go at it, and you kind of break that up with it. It, it it's something where I enjoy Don Fuji's energy enough that it's just like okay, what's now we know he's going to like have an awful fight with Masaki Mochizuki and shake hands in ten minutes. Yeah, no, they're gonna kill each other and then drink afterwards, which I guess is a a charming way of doing business. And you know, you're gonna get Kondo Mochizuki interactions, which I always think are super interesting. And Kano and Fuji offer their own little, you know, their own little twist on this match. It, it should still be excellent. But I do still think I like the the original incarnation of this match more. Look, I get it. Congo is no more. Boy, we are are, are one small step closer to Kano becoming a Dragon Gate wrestler, which is something that I really, I really want to see. I mean, I you know, I I said this uh, in jest during the podcast we did with Jay, but let me ask you right now: You are President Noah. I don't who 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 would that be? Is, is still Nozawa? 
I still think technically it's Nozawa. I think the the nominal VP is Marafuji, though. Okay, all right. Let's do business with Marafuji because I don't have an old luchador to offer you. I I, I ring you up. I say Marafuji-san, I will trade you Ata on a full time contract and one dojo participant of your choice uh, to be named later. Give us Kano on a full time basis. If you are Noah, are you making that trade? I think Noah probably wouldn't because, as we've seen, how <laughs> because you'd be getting a dojo kid, so he's under forty, and so they don't want it. Well, I mean, there's that. I They'd mean, be like, "Oh, yeah, he he didn't wrestle with Anoki. I don't want him." Yeah, yeah, has not done a single match with Rusharigan. Not interested. <laughs> yeah. But I I think like because I posed this question myself, uh, but without the uh, player to be named later, but. I think the thing is, is that Ata is viewed so differently by the Dragon System fan base than it, it appears to be viewed within Noah. So it, it, you probably, to make that work, you might need to throw in a, a conditional uh, fourth round cork and draft pick. Wait, okay, interesting. I give you Ata. I give you a Dojo Kid. I give you La Estrella. I get Cano. Who says no there? I think we have a deal. We will toss in the rights to Kano's name. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. But if we get to play the Kano theme on the Dragon Gate Network? Yes, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a good deal. Are. That's a good deal. All right, I, I like that. Hey, hey, we know how these rights deals go sometimes with this, you know? I mean, not all of us can go and say, hey, Europe, here's an insane amount of money as much as a wrestler contract here. We, we got to negotiate this through. I got to be able... If I'm bringing Kano in here, I want to play the thing. I have to look at the Noah roster right now to see if there's a realistic wrestler that I could put in this trade that I would want on the Dragon Gate roster. And boy, am I coming up empty. I mean, <laughs> this is not... I mean, Alejandro, maybe. I like him. And I would like to see what Masa Kitamiya looks like in any other company besides Noah, but I think Cano for Ata Estrella in a in a future draft pick is a very interesting trade that I, I wish we could explore in, in real life. Hey, here's the thing about Alejandro. Alejandro, nice little player, great leadoff man for Noah, but the thing is is that you have a team full of leadoff men and Team Dragon Gate, so why would you try to get this there? And who's to say that he would be leading off there when you have Dark Dragon Daya around, you know? Like, well... You you use that as your replacement for a lot of stray. You say, have fun sure. in the opening six man. Here's a cool gif, and this is the height of your career. Yep. Hope you like the color purple. That's what we're going with. But <laughs> well, what an odd thread. I hope you like the color purple. <laughs> I mean, he is the purple supernova. I mean, the, the yeah, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> they. I heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about uh, ridiculous nicknames with Jay, but I believe he still is listed as the uh, Purple Supernova. He, uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. But the, the, these were the changes to the card. But of course, the main event of Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival 2023 is the five-way steel case survival match. Mascara contra Mascara. Uh, Ultimo Dragon versus Strong Machine J versus Shun Skywalker versus Diamante versus Dragon Kid. The rules are the matches escape only, no pinfalls or submissions. Each mask will be placed on the top of the cage. 
They're not wrestling on mass. It's just going to be a dupe. Uh, you must capture your own mass to escape. Shun can't grab Dragon Kids. Straw Machine J can't grab Ultimos. And the last person in the match will lose the mask. There is a not solidified rules. I'm reading this off of the uh, Dragon Gate uh, Pro Wrestling uh, official English Facebook page. Still have not listed the rule that it is no seconds. But that appears to be a rule that is likely going to happen but it's not been uh, officially announced yeah this is you know a a history sort of defining match it's the second time in kobe world history meeting 2005 and beyond that a non-dreamgate match or retirement match in the case of masato yoshino in 2021 will headline this show the only real comp for that is 2006 Shima versus Magnitude Kishiwada. We've joked about that match a lot. That was a brilliant piece of politicking by Shima where he decided, you know, at the, at the time, the Trinity thing and Drangi was the no ropes match. And he goes, well, you know, Magnitude and I are going to have a no ropes match. And, you know, we're not just going to take the ropes off and then put it back on later. I mean, if we're going to take them off, we might as well go on last. And so they went on after Dragon Kid and Susumu Yokosuka for the, the Dreamgate title. So here we have a cage match. Never been done at Kobe World before. Uh, a five-way cage is a very interesting predicament for all these guys to be in. Give me your thoughts. Give me your, on a scale of one to 10, how much are you looking forward to this match right now? This is a through my fingers over my face, but it is a nine. Four. Yep, same. I- because I am anxious but excited about this because this is going to require a lot of moving parts to pull off what I think they're going to try to pull off, which I've been – I'm sticking to what I've said since this match got announced in this fashion. Still think that it's going to be Strong Machine J as the last escapee with Diamante unmasking. And in order to get there, you're going to have to do a couple things to figure out with this cage match. And – with people like Ultimo Dragon in this match, and with the rule set as we understand it, it's it, there's a lot of ways that this match they can try to pull it off. And if certain things don't go right, it's going to fall flat. And yeah, the, the, what I think would be a big face turn and fall for a Diamante, I don't think you have to stick the landing with his face turn coming out of Kobe World. I will give my prediction in a second because we we slightly differ on where we're at with the finish of this match. But let me ask you real real hot takey sort of first take question. But I, I think it's it's worth asking you. This match, the build we've seen for it, the stakes at hand, comparing it specifically to Kakuta versus Yoshioka, which is the Dream Game match this year, is this cage match worthy of being a Kobe World main event, do you think? With the build that has been based around it, I think it does. Because really, and we've kind of grappled with this, to be honest, over the six weeks since basically the card became a little bit more clear. The fact is is that the Dreamgate match, the build really was announcing the match. Like the face-offs have not been very consistent when they when Kakuda and Yoshioka have been in the ring together they've been very much showing no strife whatsoever clean fight but they're going to take it to each other it w- with all that focus like alleviated from the dream gate they put it towards the uh Apuestas cage and I think that for basically everyone but Dragon Kid and they admit that Dragon Kid's role in this match is 
hey, I want to protect the Ultimo. They have spent the last uh, two months, let alone if you really want to go back, you could probably make the argument the last two and a half years building to this match in a way that does feel completely earned as a Kobe World main event. I agree. You know, we uh, we spent a lot of time talking when it looked like it was going to be Ultimo versus Diamante World. Okay, where does that match fit on a Kobe World card with a, a Dreamgate match, you know, ideally in the main event? I made the argument, hey, you know, that's a match that should really happen in Mexico. It just means far much more to the uh, Mexican audience than it does the Japanese audience. Shun Skywalker and Strong Machine J get involved for about 24 hours there in June. We thought, okay, maybe they'll do another tag match. You know, 2021... They did Shun and Dragon Daya versus Daya Inferno and Diamante. They could very easily run that back, same match structure and, and likely a similar result. Uh, and then Rio Saito announces the cage and Fukuoka, we get Dragon Kid thrown into the mix. And uh, Mike, have you kept up with the, the recent YouTube uploads? Have you seen what Ultimo and Diamante are doing on the house shows? I did not get to the two house shows from this weekend. Okay, they're they're worth your time. And that, that obviously goes for everybody listening. It, it's... I mean, God, it's certainly the hardest Ultimo's ever worked on the house shows that I've seen, but it's just, it's good stuff. It's heated. It's, it's, you know, they're basically doing Lucha crowd brawls and Ultimo Dragon is using chairs and, you know, really sort of busting his ass, which he's always done with Diamante. Diamante is his good luck charm. Diamante was brought into Dragon Gate to work with Ultimo Dragon. This is, you know, uh, four years in the making almost. I mean, Diamante debuted in what, August of 2019. So uh, we're, we're getting a payoff here one way or another, but between the Shun and Strong Machine J stuff, which I think has been really hot since March when they had that Dreamgate match, the Diamante and Ultimo stuff, which I think is peaking here. I think we're done with this feud going forward. I'll explain in just a second. Uh, that feels very hot. And you have Dragon Kid in the mix. And if I need to get a crowd reaction, I, I'm going to turn to Dragon Kid. I, I think they're in a very good spot here. I don't know if this match has the the pop if this match is registering on the buzzle meter the way that I think it should. But I think for you know, you and I and the people that are really plugged in right now, this is a big match. I mean, this has giant stakes involved. Yeah, and it's something that they have made the cage match that they've pulled back the usage of it to such an extent that it feels deserved when they said, no, we're not doing one in Aichi this year and we didn't do one last year because the storylines did not present themselves or there was not a feud ready for it, Ultimo and Diamante alone have done enough to justify a cage match. And then you add in Shun Skywalker and Strong Machine J, and it just makes sense that this is the way to go with this. I don't think the tag match would have worked with these two, with, with four guys before Dragon Kid was inserted, of course. But it's something where this is such a like cater made moment if they pull this off with the the declaration of the Rewa generation leaders coming in May after dead or alive we are at this point where now this is kind of, this is the first big show of that era and you have really in a position where with Diamante not being in there being able to make the argument of being the seventh of the six and then you have Shun and Strong Machine J and these kind of stakes that really it's all came together in this confluence and to make it there that I don't think if you change the feuds around or if you put other people in this match, I don't think that it works to the level it has at this point. When was the last cage? 2021? 
Yeah, it would have been Shimizu at Dangerous Gate. Well, 2021 is Yamato and Kai versus Dragon Kid and SB Kento. And then 2020 oh, is Shimizu. Yeah, well, it's irrelevant yeah. now. It's it's irrelevant now in the grand scheme of things. They shaved Kento's yeah. head and made him seem like a big deal, and it you know it backfired. So wow, 20, wow, yeah. I completely forgot that Kento got lost and got his head shaved in twenty. Yeah, in his hometown, it was like a giant deal, like a real significant moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, which he I'm, I'm not like saying that to gear. knock you. I'm saying it to you know, yeah. it's you know, SB Kento. Um, okay, and then Shimizu was 2020, and then 2019 was another five way. What was okay? What was the result of this? Because Shimizu was the guy that didn't escape. What happened to Shimizu? This was the one where he lost Big R and became Big Boss. That that was the case no no no. Lost. That's that that was that was 2020 where he turns face. 2019. It's KZ Doi Shun Yamato and Big R Shimizu. Oh, this was the unit expulsion one. This. Was so what the happened? They kicked somebody out of Red. I have, to, I have to pull up that or like 20. Yeah, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't remember. I'm just, I'm curious to try to set the stakes for this because I remember yeah, Shun, yeah, so Shun left Mochizuki Dojo, but that's all I remember. Right. So this was the one that was the, uh, the they get the, the opportunity to remove someone or not. Uh, main event was Benkei. That R.E.D. turn on Benkei and that launched Benkei's face turn. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that okay. was it. All right. All right. We're good here. All right. This makes more sense. So I bring all of that up, you know, 2021 put SB Kento in a real good spot. Him getting his head shaved was sort of an anointing to the club of like, all right, you're here. It's another big step for you. Won the Brave Gate soon after, you know, had a, had a really dominant 2021 into a, a complexing 2022 that now lands us in 2023. Shimizu in 2020, he turns face. He's rehabbed to death. You know, that was the start of, of Team Boku and him doing the Ultimo parody gimmick and all of the things that came with that, which eventually landed him a natural vibe. He turned out okay. And then 2019, you have Shimizu lose, which by proxy turns Ben K face, and, and Ben K won the, the Dreamgate belt at, at Kobe World that year against Pac. The point of this is all, whoever comes out of this match is going to come out of this match with a gigantic push. You and I are both in agreement. Diamante's losing his mask here, right? Yeah, I know Jay laid out cases for other people losing the mask. I just, Diamante is the only logical choice for me. Well, well, let's go through them, because I think we can rank them least likely to most likely. So you have Ultimo Dragon not losing, right? Yeah, uh, it's something where if Ultimo's losing his mask, it will be in Mexico where sponsors will pay for the mask to be lost. It won't be in Dragon Gate. And also, it's just like, you know, the point I made to you was, okay, if he loses the mask, there goes all of those sweet WrestleCon paydays, all of oh, those, yeah. you know, and I don't even mean this as an insult, but all of those money mark indies that bring him in as Ultimo Dragon from WCW Nitro, those all go yeah. away. He's not, he's not losing his mask. That doesn't make any sense. I would put Shun Skywalker... In fourth place, Shun is top heel in the company, doing excellent work, really defined character. I don't see any need for him to lose his mask. And when he debuted as a young boy, he was unmasked. And, you know, nobody was talking about how handsome Shun Skywalker is. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's Shun is someone 
that I think we're looking, it's going to be down the road if he's going to lose that mask. Like, it's not going to be anytime soon. Yeah, you can certainly, he's not in an ultimate level position where you can go, oh, well, he's never going to lose his mask, but it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense right now. This is not the time or place. Cyber Kong level, like down the road, he loses the mask and then it's like a a thing that spurns a face turn, but it's going to be a long enough time that people forget about Shun Watanabe. Yes, I, I think that's well put. And then you have Dragon Kid. I can't rule it out. You know, if, if Ultimo Dragon is 0.01% and Shun Skywalker is 0.1%, you probably got to go Dragon Kid at 1%. Yeah, like, it's very unlikely, and this is the cliff right here. Like, like these three, like, a combined 1.11% of a chance here. You can't just get Dragon Kid, there's a lot more arguments that can be made about that, but it's still very unlikely, but still more likely exponentially than Ultimo or Shun. Let me frame it to you from this perspective, even though we both agree, but something I think about now, you know, we talked to Jay about Kento and Fujiwara's departure and how more than anything, it's just uncomfortable change for a fan base that's gone through a lot of uncomfortable change. Is there anything more uncomfortable, more jarring, more, for lack of a better uh, phrase, your favorite Dragon Gate is dead, than an unmasked dragon kid. You know, the distraction that that would be in the King of Gate tournament coming up, I just, there's no, there's no real good reason to do that either. Yeah, like, that's such a seismic thing to do to begin with, let alone on the heels as Jay left off. Like, a lot of the, the, the argument for those who did not listen to the show is that there's been a lot of change and a lot of turmoil, but it was e- it might be easier if your guy is not part of it for a group of people, SB Kento was their guy, you know, and it and it's hard to see like, hey, we'll get, get return to stability, return to stability when the, like this happens. And adding an unmasked dragon kid to the list will not do anything to calm nerves. So you find yourself in a position where you're debating between Strong Machine J and Diamante, and the argument for Strong Machine J losing his mask is he's been dominated by Shun Skywalker all year. Shun Skywalker's called him a loser. He's beat him like a drum. He's beat him up repeatedly. And if Strong Machine J loses in the same way that Shun Skywalker beat and beat and beat Madoka Kakuta verbally and physically en route to their Dreamgate match, well, if Kakuta would have lost, you know, they wouldn't have, for lack of a better term, finished the story. And Kakuta just would, would have looked like a loser. I don't think they are in that position with Shun and Strong Machine J. I'll explain why in a second. But nevertheless, uh, Strong Machine J loses his mask. All of a sudden, he gains more in the long term. He can shed the singlet. He can shed uh, what might exist as second-weight baggage. I'm certainly open to the debate on whether or not Strong Machine J is a name that helps him or hurts him. And then you would assume an unmasked Strong Machine J gets a massive push in the King of Gate tournament. And from there... uh, you know, he's off to the races, likely beating Shun in the singles match, probably challenging for the Dreamgate belt later this year and possibly winning. Yeah, no, that I, I think no matter what, Strong Machine J it comes out the winner of this match because either the unmasked babyface push where like you laid out there or he comes out 
escaping a match with uh, people who we've named three people whose masks aren't likely to be lost here. He does not walk into this match at all as a favorite. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a weird. I found myself almost confusing myself there, but he's going to win no matter what. He's either going to lose the match and win in the long term, or he's going to win the match and win in the short term. Uh, I think, and this is where I'm curious to know your thoughts, just because I'm always so high on Strong Machine J. The Diamante versus Ultimo story feels really played out. If Diamante doesn't lose his mask, it means we're getting Ultimo versus Diamante in Mexico at some point, likely next year. And to me, that is going to be like, oh, all right, more, you know, another six-man tag, another crowd brawl, another promo to get us there. Now they're doing it in Mexico. It's another show we've got to do the same song and dance for. It feels like the time for Diamante to lose his mask. In in a counterpoint to the thing I just laid out about, you know, hey, Strong Machine Jay's been called a loser by Shun Skywalker over and over again. I feel like there's more left in the tank with Shun and Strong Machine Jay. There's a dangerous gate match there. There's more tag team matches there. There's more chances for Strong Machine Jay to elevate himself. That doesn't need to come in this match. Yeah, that that's the, the way that Shun, oh, not Shun, that's the way why Jay, no matter what comes out of a winner, whereas Diamante, on the other side of the coin, you're just prolonging it <laughs> at that. And it's just like, at that point, if that if Diamante does not lose his mask, I don't want to see him in the ring of Ultimo Dragon for a year, like even a six-man tag. Because at that point, you've already like shown like, hey, we've been wanting to do this for three years. But guess what? We're still not doing this here, and you're going to have to go wait in Mexico for it. Like, at, at that point, I would be so frustrated <laughs> with, with that because of how much time and how much valuable time on cards has been devoted to Ultimo and Diamante, whereas, whereas you're absolutely right. Like, the, the, there is so much left in Shun and Jay that they don't have to figure into the result whatsoever. And there's still enough there to go like, okay, they haven't, finish their feud let's keep it up let's go dangerous gate let's see if they case would you be surprised if by the end of the year let's say shun and jay both escape the cage with their masks i think that there's a very likely chance that they might have a singles of this by the end of the year that'd be awesome you know this seems to be a rio saito's calling card is you know i don't I don't love all of his booking patterns. I do love the way that he's approached these mask match, the two that he's booked. So, or not the two, he's booked a bunch because Diamante took Shimizu's mask and then he took Daya's mask. And I think I'm forgetting one in there. There's those two there. there there's been a lot of light stakes apuestas like the, uh, I'm trying to think time frame wise when he was appointed. I don't know if he was appointed when the when Ichikawa versus Marafuji turned into an apuestas. Like there's been a lot of just general like apuestas. I feel like over the last year or so. Let me throw this idea at you. This is my front runner. This is what I think is going to happen in the main event of World. It's down to Shun, Strong Machine J, and Diamante. And Strong Machine J prevents Shun from getting out of the cage. He escapes. He gets a moment of triumph over Shun. And then we're left with the two Z-Brats guys in the middle of the ring, which just by proximity 
begins to to speed up the Diamante babyface turn, which then you say Shun wins, which, okay, heel winning in the main event, very uh, uh, strange for Kobe World, but you get the Diamante face turn at the end of the show. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, I I I think then you're counting on the crowd to automatically go towards Diamante, which I think they will to be honest. Yeah, but it's it's the, it's Shun and not like Ben K. It's a it's a definitive heel in Shun Skywalker. Right. And the person who's been the arguably the most heelish wrestler in this company for the last twenty four months. Yes. So it, it it gives you that. I like that. I I I just I'm just so interested in the the idea that Shun has turned on people in the middle of the Puesas matches before and I feel like you kind of need that. I, I I have a hard time arguing that, you know, Dragon yeah, Dia, it, Dra- Dragon Dia losing his mask was one of the most shocking results in the history of Dragon Gate. And they have that spot, that interplay in their back pocket for this match as well. It's a good place to be. Yeah, but I, I at the end of the day, I, we both come to the same conclusion. And I think that does 
coming out of Kobe World, as we talked about, Jay, it does make Diamante one of the uh, easy favorites for King of Gate coming out of the main event, likely unmasking with a big babyface push. It has to be a big babyface push coming out of this for whoever is the victor because they are closing Kobe World. And that is why, even though this is the gimmick match that it is, with the build that it's had compared to the Dreamgate match, which I was all for in the beginning, but the build that it's had, which has been lackluster, you are still closing Kobe World with either Diamante or Strong Machine J or something truly, truly shocking. So if it's Diamante or Strong Machine J, King of Gate is the next week, and my God, are they going to have a one feast or famine scenario in front of them into a rocket pack strapped to their back because this is the biggest show of the year. And they're kind of in a position where it's two upper mid carters that are in a position to get elevated here. Yeah, no. And I think that if we walk out without that kind of elevation happening, like if we walk out of it and it's just, uh, and it's like Ultimo unmasking dragon kids, like how weird that sounds. But or like Shun losing his mask, then they have lost that opportunity. And I, and I think you would have to look at the match somewhat as a failure. I, th- I think it's important, you know, to explain why Diamante has got to be the clubhouse favorite here is he's not he's not like Drangate's Mexican show pony. You know, he's not a gift guy. He's not a spot guy. He's not a foreigner in Dragon Gate, which for so long, if you weren't Paco Ricochet, had a certain ceiling to it, and I think had a certain connotation to it. Diamante stayed during COVID, which made him family, and as we've talked about in this show repeatedly, because I talk to people that go to Dragon Gate shows, I go, is his merch selling? They go, yes. I say, is he over in the building? They go, yes. I said, could he realistically challenge for the Dreamgate belt tomorrow? They go, yes. And that is with him as Mexican power, Diamante with a mask, four years of being a heel. You take a mask off this good-looking, chiseled-out-of-granite man, you put him in gold class, and you send him off to the races, you have a main eventer on your hands. It's that easy. It really is that easy. Working our way down the Dreamgate match, Madoka Kakuda making his first defense against Yuki Yoshioka. Uh, this as i i think has your opinion of this match really changed over the last 72 hours case i still think the build to it has been utterly bizarre you know even yeah you know i this this most recent youtube upload it was kakucha and yoshioka versus jason lee and jackie funky kamei that match kicked ass it was not as good as the ray de parejas match but it was still awesome but what like why is that match happening kakucha and yoshioka are wrestling one another the Battle of respect among decouraged participants has not gotten over with me the way that I think Drangit hoped it would. I was all for this match. I was advocating this match come June. I said, this is the biggest thing they have uh, on hand. This is a big match with the idea being that Yoshioka leans heel, Kakuta leans super baby face. You do this match, and then you decide what happens with decourage after that. Not my business right now. Instead... These guys have squared off, I think, twice, and then they've just teamed together a bunch. And it's not, you know, partners that can't get along. It's not friendly fire. It's a tag team, and it's bizarre the way they've done this. Yeah, and it's kind of made it so that it, like, the analogy I'm coming to is 
they're playing No Limit Hold'em, and they went all in blind on it. Because they basically said, Kakuta and Yoshioka is the match. We don't need to do anything else. Which puts so much uh, tension and so much of the questioning then is, you better knock it out of the effing park. Because you've done nothing else, so you're basically saying, judge this match on what happens on July 2nd. Because everything else after this match has been made doesn't count. Does not matter. They went in blind. Well, they have such immense pressure on themselves because, like we just talked about with the cage match, Drangate in a in an ideal world, in a world that makes sense, uh, in a world in which they should follow these footsteps, are going to attempt to create a new white hot baby face coming out of the main event. You have Madoka Kakuta, who from August of 2022 through June of 2023. I would say has been the hottest wrestler in the company. Number two, Yuki Yoshioka. And yet these guys feel like an afterthought on this Kobe World card, and it is up to them to change that narrative. They're in an interesting predicament, Mike, because do you think this is the most lopsided uh, result, not in doubt, Dreamgate match we've ever seen at World? I think that... If we look at the Kobe World cards in the past with a clear mind morning of the show and say and pick the people of it, the the only one that comes close is Yoshino versus T Hawk. You know? Like that one, T Hawk's already felt like that 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 ship had sailed and that they're just trying to do square a square uh Hanging around all hole. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And it was so like, oh, let's see what Yoshino could get out of T Hawk. They ended up having one of the best matches of T Hawk's career, but it did. It, that's the most other lopsided probability going into the show is if you would have asked me before that match the morning of, uh, what what's the chances on the challenger winning? See, it's funny you say that because that's 2015 T Hawk. So I'm still very much in at that point. And I, in real time, did not feel that way. Whereas Yamato versus T-Hawk in 2017, it was that like, oh, was what I, was, I was thinking about Yamato, not... not yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was just like, oh, get this over with. Like, what are we doing here? So let, let me let me go through the Dreamgate matches in history. You stop okay. me. You stop me if you think day of show, there is a more obvious one-sided result. Obviously here, unless Mike is throwing a real curveball at me, we're in agreement that Kakuta is going to retain. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, all right. Now, you might stop me with this first match, but I, I, I will go and you stop me. It's c- kind of like getting pepper at a restaurant. You stop me when you've had enough, okay? Okay. All right. Mochizuki versus Takamichinoko. Uh, Susumi Yokosuka versus Dragon Kid. Jushin Thunder Liger versus Shima. Shingo Takagi versus BB Hulk. Shima uh, versus... Okay. 2008 Shingo versus Hulk everything was put towards Shingo winning that match. Like Hulk was like a basically just like brand new virgin main eventing for that. And that was not, and Hulk, it would have been okay. Cause I was originally going to be a three way match. So that would have been okay for Hulk. But as soon as Shima got hurt, Shingo had to win the belt. Did they go into the, was that a vacant dream gate that they went into? That was, or was yeah. Okay. So All right, 2008, so 2008. So continue. I changed my mind. I want more pepper. <laughs> okay, Shima versus Doi, Yamato versus Yoshino, Mochizuki versus Hulk, Shima versus Tozawa, Shima versus Shingo, 
I think I've had enough salt a pepper. Thank you very much. Okay. Here's a, let, 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 there's a block right here that has one sided main events in favor of the challenger. You've got Shima Shingo in 2013. You've got Yamato Hulk in 2014 with Hulk as the challenger. Yoshino T-Hawk was probably 60-40. We won't include that. And then Shingo Yamato 2016 with Yamato as the challenger. Those three right there, Shingo in 2013 as the challenger, Hulk in 2014 as the challenger, and Yamato in 2016 as the challenger. Those felt like, if they don't win, what are we doing here? Yeah, but I would say that those are different kind of feelings than what we have right here. This is like, this was Royal Road. You You walk this path where... More often than not, in those scenarios, there was a big event that happened in the cage that launched them into King of Gate and then into Kobe World, where they had to win the belt at Kobe World. It was something that you would be asking if dogs are laying with cats if they did not walk that road. Yeah, there was a, a real level of excitement. Not that there was not with this match, but you know, with any promotion you follow that you're invested in, you know, there are those that, matches that, where you that go Hulk, that that whole crowning moment felt incredibly earned even though you oh it's awesome it from 10 miles away the the hulk stuff in 2014 that i you know look yamato his face turn in may of 2016 through that match with shingo in july 2016 that to me that's a perfect build i have no notes that was as good as wrestling got in that might be the hottest that Gate ever was in north america i mean that was just that all felt monumental uh, you know and you know, Yamato didn't exactly capitalize on the rain. Some of it his fault, some of it's not. But the build to get there, I mean, my God, I have I have no notes. So you've got you've got a slew there of challengers that feel one sided, like they are going to win. Yamato versus T Hawk, twenty seventeen. We talked about that. That might be the historical comp, even though I think you and I are both far more excited for Kakuta and Yoshioka than we were Yamato and T Hawk. There is, and I'll, I'll continue the list here: Yoshino versus Shingo, Pac versus Benkei which I would lump into that challenger one-sided. Of course, he's going to win. 2020, Eita versus Shun. 2021, Shun versus KZ and Shun versus Yamato. And then 2022, Kai versus Yoshioka and Yoshioka versus Minora. So yeah, it, it it's something where this match is unique. As we look through those Dreamgate matches, this even where you had a strong challenger and you had a strong champion it was not necessarily something where like you look at shun he was coming in fresh from excursion his first match back here this instead is a it it's i look at it so much as like okay you could do a zero key run for kakuda but then you really have to change up everything i think yeah, I just, I don't, it, it's much like Dragon Kid losing his mask. I don't see any reason for Kakuta to drop the belt. You know, he gives this impassioned promo that made headlines uh, abroad and locally about, you know, the Reiwa generation. These are the six guys leading the company going forward. Even though Yoshioka is a part of that generation, you can't lose in your first defense after you give that promo. That I mean, I guess that happened with Shingo in 2013, but the standards were different. It was... Uh, babyface jock Shingo against the almighty Yamato and the stars aligned and gave us a beautiful zero defense run for Shingo. It's not the same thing here. If Kakuta loses, he just looks like a dork. Yeah, and part of Shingo in that run, the point was that someone took down Shima. It was like the fact that it was like, after all of this, we finally have seen that it was Shingo was the one that could do this all along. 
Oh, it was was great. It it took it took all the weight of that Shingo run that just would have you know it would have been it just would have been impossible for him to live up to the expectations of the the record breaking Shima reign. We okay, all right. Well, now he's going to drop the belt. Yamato's got the belt. Clean slate. You know, Dreamgate has a clean slate going forward. It's a brilliant piece of booking, even though it made the PW Ponderings reviewer at the time quit watching Dragon Gate, which I always think is very funny. (laughs) But it. We get back to like the, the the clear point of you got to have Yoshioka lose this match. Kakuda should get that key on his belt here, and then with everything, it comes back to the the to the gamble they took from the start. What does a Dreamgate match and Kobe World look like with virtually zero build? You've got to knock it out of the park. I think they can. You know, uh, a, a scary statistic that I found while researching this match. It's Madoka Kakuta's 20th singles match of all time. And there are dark matches in there. There are like young boy time limit draws. And there's matches of his that, you know, were, were squashes uh, with him either building to his first Dreamgate challenge in 2021 or, you know, some of the stuff he did over last summer. It's his 20th singles match of all time. It's Yoshioka's eighth Dreamgate match of all time. And... The level of work, again, that we've seen from Kakuta from August of last year through now, in which I would probably rank him during that specific 12-month stretch, 11-month stretch there as the best wrestler in the world, uh, with Yoshioka in his main event level success, you know, his hit rate of great matches, I don't see any way this can fail. Unless things get goofy, unless, you know, they turn Yoshioka in the match, which I have zero interest in. I, I have a lot of interest in a Yoshioka turn, but zero interest in a turn in this match. I, I just think this is a safe bet for a four and a half star Dreamgate match that, you know, in a vacuum probably means nothing, but in the moment, God, do we love it. Absolutely. So working down, then we have before it the Open the Triangle Gate Championship, the new champion team, KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, and Jackie Funky Kame. They are defending against original gold class, Kodaman, Nora, and Minorita. Decided they wanted to have a Triangle Gate Challenge at, at when they were last at Kobe Sambo Hall. And everyone was, was all for it. They wanted it to be Naruki Doi. He was not interested. Uh, GM Rio Saito decided, oh, well, I have a great challenger partner for you it's also naruki toys so it's original gold class versus natural vibes here and the addition of naruki doi becomes the storyline of this match where one way or another you have to figure that with how things are with his year of uh uh of exclusive freelance and that that might be coming up soon or it could be something where Doi might be committing again. It, it, it seems like that the crux of this match is this freelancer. Yeah, I mean, God, isn't it so much more interesting if Gold Class wins this match just for a number of reasons? You know, Doi. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, I mean, for so I guess for those that don't know, and I'm going to over-explain some things just because I like the idea of new people listening to this show because it's the Kobe preview. Doi, last year, went on an exclusive freelance contract in September where... And Mike, tell me if I'm explaining this wrong, but my understanding is he's a freelance worker, but Dragon Gate essentially gets first rights on his dates. Yeah, and Dragon Gate does his merch, and they have like a merch agreement there. Like it, it, it's dates, but really the the more specific thing is like you look at someone like Ata. Ata does not have his merch done through Dragon Gate. His merch is done through either Noah or Halming Mass, whoever he's trying to shill for that day, <laughs> and he can shill. Uh, so Doi has a one-year exclusive freelance deal. 
He's got his homecoming show in NARA in August, which is always a, a really big deal. And then that deal is expiring. And we don't know at this point if Doi will re-up, uh, which would be lovely, I think, for the sake of, of Dragon Gate fandom. Or if he goes full-time freelance, gives them the finger, and he's working Big Japan and Gleet going forward. Who, who knows? But Doi winning the Triangle Gate belt here is so interesting from that perspective. And then also just the perspective of what a journey Gold Class has been on. You know, last year, Kobe World, they were just at the absolute lowest point uh, I have ever seen a unit in. Truly atrocious. Just an awful time thinking about 2022 gold class post-Yoshida, pre-Benkei. Because obviously, you have Coach Minora in the main event of the second show just ruining the entire weekend. And Doi and Minorita wrestled Kondo and Toru Awashi in a meaningless tag match on the second night. The first night, they were on the show in a meaningless six-man tag. It was the opening match. It was Vibes, uh, Shimizu, Keizy, and Strong Machine J versus Minora, Minorita, and Doi. No one cared about that match. It was, you know, a gold class in 2022 at that point, just not an over unit. This year, they come into it. It's yet again, gold class versus Vibes, Shimizu, Keizy, and then you sub out Strong Machine J, and you put in the uh, one-third of the Triangle Gate champions in Jackie Funky Kamei. And this is a nice little piece of business. This is the match that feels very, very important, and I am pulling for Gold Class simply for the fact that I want Naruki Doi wearing a Dragon Gate title with the year that he's had. Yeah, and I'm not really here to disagree with you on that. I, I guess my thing with this Natural Vibes champion team is, doesn't it kind of feel like as soon as Big Time dropped the Twin Gates, they were just right there to pick up the Triangle Gates and just bring Jackie Funky Kamei along the ride? Yes, and... I don't even look at that as a bad thing. I think no, every I every roster could use a big boss Shimizu, a guy who, if he wins three matches, all of a sudden you're like, hey, this guy's got some momentum. And if he loses three matches, nobody blinks an eye. He is firmly established and entrenched deep in the trenches as an upper mid Carter. He's not going anywhere. If Vibes wins, great. It's a fun Triangle Gate team. No dead weight there. Shimizu was always capable of killing it, having a sneaky great match. KZ and Kamei, their track record speak for themselves. And, you know, I, you know, even if I'm not a, a big Minora guy, Minorita brings a lot of fun to these matches, and it's Doi. It's Naruki Doi at Kobe World. That is always a good place to be. And it's something now, like, looking at the card composition. This match has, like, such a interesting position because when you get to the business part of the show each of these matches like really starting with the twin gate match on are distinctly different kind of matches you have the twin gate that's going to be more of a straight traditional tag then you have their special outsider comes in to faces the ace then you get the triangle gate match the dream gate match which will be your dream gate style match and then the cage make the the cage match clusterfuck this match is kind of the example to put on where what dragon gate does better than anyone else in the world right l l like you have so much like variety going here but this match is right here for a reason there's a reason why this is not opening the show that this would be a, a a just easy uh 2021 opening a main show a big five show match for them to have no they want to have this match right here for the reason that you're going to have a lot of different stuff around it, but you have this one third from the top to remind what Dragon Gate does best. You know, it's interesting because Doi's been around this year. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, I'll find his total number of Dragon Gate matches here just because I'm curious. You know, it's not like he's a stranger 
to this promotion. He's worked 28 matches in Dragon Gate this year, compared to 22 in All Japan, 16 in DDT, 3 in Big Japan, and 1 in J-Stage, which was oh, Doi versus Joji Otani. That sucks. That is a bummer. I was looking forward to Doi and J-Stage. I, I publicly am stating I am not going to watch Doi versus Joji Otani. I am not Chase, canceled. <laughs> buddy, as soon as you say J-Stage, I was like, oh, man, I know what's going to happen next. I, I was like, oh, that's match, such a bummer. <laughs> I, I did not even know that card, but I was like, watch it be against Joji Otani. Watch it be like this, and of course. Of course. You, know what, you know what's crazy? That was on the same day as Dead or Alive. Doi... He worked dead or alive, right? Yeah, he did. He was in the tag yeah, with Ultimo. He, he did double duty. He worked Joji Otani and then worked a tag match with Ultimo Dragon against Diamante and Hyo. That is crazy. Yeah, that's why everyone totally gets whenever the, this agreement about exclusive freelance status, whenever like the, this year or however long he agreed to it, whenever it expires, completely understandable if Naruki Doi looks around and sides. I don't need to do this. Like, this might actually be beneath me. God, I wonder what untaxable, under-the-table money Doi got working that J-Stage show. I, that's, I oh, don't want to know. I <laughs> yeah. do not want to know. It does make you complicit in a crime. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Bad vibes. Just bad vibes. All you, you know how you know how Pride just lost their TV deal. If Mike Spears goes away, very similar story. Legitimate businessman. Just of legitimate businessman. So my my point here, before we got derailed by a sex pest and, and the yakuza, is that. Doi's been around this year. You know, he was in Ray de Parejas, uh, for example. You know, him and Yamato and all those Yamadoi matches that felt really hot, but. Other than that, it's not like Doi's main eventing here and headlining here and in a program here. This is as big of a Doi match as we've gotten this year, and it's Doi at World, which, again, just history shows us. I, you know, I, I'm I'm curious now. Let me see if I can if I can find just Doi at World stuff real quick, just to sort of go through the history of what he's done, because I, I don't read this as just stats to read stats and cage match listings to read cage match listings. There's a history of Doi at this event. You know, 2005, he's in the Blood Generation versus Do Fixer Six Man, which I think is a five-star match. 2006, Muscle Outlaws versus Blood Generation. Uh, super, super fun match. 2007, one of the best Triangle Gate matches of all time. Hulk Kong and Shingo versus Kishwada, Yoshino, and Doi. Uh, 2008, what does he do? He's in a, a four-way, 12-man uh, uh, tag match. I'm sure that was fine. A lot of good names there, uh, but irrelevant. 2090, Headlines versus Shima. Which, oddly enough, that match is just okay. Uh, 2010, Naruki Doi and Pac versus Cyber Kong and Kagatora versus Dragon Kid and Ryo Saito versus Nozawa Rongai and Tozawa Kengai, Akira Tozawa. Thoughts on that one, Mike? So that was Tozawa needing to extend his visa. Yes, <laughs> that was a, a business agreement. Uh, and then, you know, a, as we go down the line, you know, Doi and Ricochet versus Tozawa and Hulk. That's one of Joe Lance's favorite matches of all time. 2015, Doi and Yamato versus Seidel and Ricochet. 2016 was a dud, but that's because he teamed with Brother Yashi. 2017, Shima and Dragon Kid versus Yoshino and Doi. One of the best Twin Gate matches of all time. 2019, Shimizu and Eita versus Kai and Yamato versus Ishida and Doi. One of the best Twin Gate matches of all time. There is a history of Doi crushing it at this event. And to your point, it's not an opening match. It's on the second half of the card. It's going to get time. It's going to be good. I hope Gold Class wins, but there's no bad result here. Yeah, and I think we probably, without uh, agreeing to it, I think we, uh, we, we could cyclically agree, this is probably the breakout match of the show. 
it's between this and the Brave Gate match. The Brave Gate match holds a really special place on this show, just in terms of what the next four hours are going to look like. So, sure. yeah, it, it's there. But, you know, to your point, real quick, because you brought up a, a something that I, I hadn't really thought about until now, but it's worth bringing up. Every match on this show, and especially, you know, the back half from the Twin Gate match onwards, they're all a little different. They all feel really big. And this is my favorite Kobe World card on paper since 2019, which was, you know, the first Dragon Gate show with English commentary and thus got a lot of press, a lot of coverage. This is every bit as good as that show on paper, if not better. And I think some people, and it's I think it's going to be a reductionist hate when it comes out. This isn't them going to shows on this weekend to one. This is thought and care. More no, so no, else. that's that's a that you know what that's that's a good point to bring up. That's a dumb take. If anybody, it, it's reductionist. It, it, it's like yeah, no, 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 duh. When you when you only have to focus on one show, you can lay things out better. Yeah, no, of course. Well, yeah, okay. So why do they do two shows? Well, the first year was Masato Yoshino's retirement show, which they you know we talked for a long time leading up to that show pre-COVID that they were going to do it in a bigger building than World Hall which they ended up not. They did two nights in Kobe, same you know, same difference. Last year, even if it bombed at the box office, which it undoubtedly did, not defending the concept, but it was Ultimo Dragon's 35th anniversary show, that motherfucker was doing that in a big building, uh, whether people showed up or not. That is why they did two shows two years in a row. This year, none of that is at play. Genki Horiguchi, I love you, brother. You're not getting a big building for your 25th anniversary. Same with Susumu, Kanda, all of those second-class guys. They're back to one night for reasons that make sense, not just downsizing for the sake of downsizing. Right, and it, it's something where, w- with the time and with the fact that when you look at the match, it, l- look at the card construction, you you don't expect the other six man in the pre-show to get much more out of first gear. And then the opener, Ata is going to be doing a lot of Ata shit in that opener. I, I let me, let, let me tell y'all, we're going to see a lot of Ata just walking around, pulling stuff out of bags. Like, like we know we get there. This is the chance to have your traditional six man tag with the time that you've brought up. And it's something where I, I still think the more interesting way is to do original gold class, especially with the idea of Shimizu maybe having a hot uh, King of Gate. But I, I don't think that there is a bad direction coming out of this one. Wouldn't it be nice if they win the belts here and then they defend them in Nara, Doi's homecoming show, and then normally they do Osaka number two in September, you just have them drop it in September, you know, a year to, to Doi's agreement. That that way you're safe no matter what. Oh, that totally works, for sure. That's kind of fun. Uh, all right, Yamato versus Hiromu. Let's talk about it. Yeah, uh, this is, like, the match where I just, like, it could be anything from being just a bad matchup with a lot of, like, Yamato's just worst traits, or it could be had the opportunity to be pretty special. This is the one match on the show that I think has that level of variability with it. Interesting. I hadn't really considered the idea of this being a bad match just because it's a bad match. And and part of that is maybe, you know, I watched the All-Star Junior Festival. I, did you ever get around to watching that show? I watched that morning of. 
I was. <laughs> you you woke, woke, up question, like a, woke up like a child on Christmas. <laughs> don't question my respect and honoring of the Leck Corporation in my household. I really liked the chemistry that Yamato and Hiromu had in that match. I was a big proponent for a few years there of Hiromu's washed. He's not the same guy. He doesn't know how to adapt. And then 2023 rolled around, and Hiromu has kicked my ass this year. He's been incredible. He's adapted to post-broken neck in-ring style. And Yamato has had a very good year. You know, I've enjoyed Yamato this year because he's been so out of the spotlight. This is, you know, much in the same way that it's Doi's biggest match of the year. This is Yamato's biggest match of the year, and I expect him to be there for it. I expect him to show up. I expect this to be great. My big fear is that we end up with a double DQ, Hyo and Kai running, and we do Hyo and Kai versus Yamato and Hiromu, and you have to be prepared for that. I'm not defending it. I'm not saying I like it. You have to be prepared for that. Yeah, because it's it's a scenario where there's no way that Hiromu, outside of like something awful happening, losing any match he's a part of on this show. There's just no rationale. And if you're Dragon Gate, yeah, you're bringing in this star from a much bigger company, but you really don't want your motto to lose to an outsider. So the uh, no contest restart, uh, babyface beat uh, Z Bratz, I think it, it, it's something that as soon as that thought got put in my head, I was not able to escape it, Case. Okay, well, let me throw two scenarios at you here. One, Yamato wins. Let, let's say by Frankensteiner. Let's really give Hiromu the benefit of the doubt. Yamato wins via Frankensteiner. Destruction in Kobe this year. Yamato versus Hiromu. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Yamato loses. If you're Dragon Gate, do you want the, the figurehead of their company still, even with Kakuta cutting the promo, doing all this, that, Yamato's still the guy for now. Do you want Yamato losing a junior title match on a New Japan show? Yes, I think that we're talking about a reality where the exposure is so different that it's worth it. I think that is not the front runner. I do think that's a likely possibility. Yeah, I that 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 is the possibility that I think would be if you're looking at it from a Dragon Gate perspective, the best case scenario. Other scenario. Hiromu just beats Yamato. Time bomb, one, two, three. Does it hurt Yamato? Do we think less of him? Do we think less of Drangate because of it? No, no. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. I think going in here without, like, healthy... I don't even call it skepticism, just reality. Like, the reality of the situation is that Hiromu is probably going to do time bomb and pen uh, Yamato in, like, in 13 minutes. And it's, I would argue, a compliment to Yamato that he can lose and not be affected by it. Oh yeah. No, it's, I, 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 I want to pose this to you case that I've been playing with this idea more so about Hiroshi Tanahashi, but I think it can apply a little bit to Yamato. Okay. So this was in a concert with the forbidden door show, uh, and the match that he had with MJF, the idea of with, I I'm thinking of wrestlers and how you build wrestlers more on a systems of debits and credits and that way you you put a lot of time effort wins push into them and you at the end of the day you should be able to you to withdraw you you should be able to now use that wrestler to give wins to other people Yamato's in the position that Hiroshi Tanahashi's in where Yamato can be solidly beaten I would say probably in any Dreamgate match he's in 
for the next like four or five years and it doesn't change his opinion of him in my mind he he he's done you, you've built him up enough now it's time for you to to use him to get over get over other people yeah i that is exactly what they've done i even though i don't always love yamato in the main event i think they've done a brilliant job of getting him to that position you know he obviously lost against yoshioka in a dreamgate match last year that was a huge deal when that happened he lost to yoshioka in king of gate last year that was a huge deal when that happened he lost to kai final gate 2021 for the dreamgate that was a huge deal when that happened before that, you know, look at look at all these losses that Yamato's had in singles matches. Before that, it was Coach Minoru in the semifinals of Kingate. That was a huge deal when it happened. Before that, I'm trying to scroll and find the last. It was it was Ata King of Gate 2020 semifinals. That was a big deal when it happened because it led to Ata winning the Dreamgate belt. Ben K beats Yamato Dangerous Gate 2019. That was a big deal when it happened. It was Ben's first key. It was a good first defense against Yamato. Set him off on the right foot in that Dreamgate run. When Yamato loses. It means something. It doesn't mean that Yamato was, is lesser than, worse off than he was going into the match. It means that his opponent gained something. Does Hiromu need to gain something? No, he does not. We're kind of at an even-steven scenario here where if Yamato wins, great, because they got to do a rematch, and it's going to be on a New Japan show. That's cool as shit. If Yamato loses, it'll be okay. I, th- I think Dragon Gate will keep on keeping on. Yeah, like... Yamato losing to Hiromu does not mean that Yamato is not going to go for his sixth open the Dreamgate title in some future. That's probably going to happen. Like, he's at his spot where he's Teflon. Yes, yeah. L- looking at these, at the history of Yamato singles matches, they, they've they really done a remarkable job. I mean, I can remember all of these losses that he's had. Oh, yeah. And and I, I, I can't say the same... You know, if I were to go to any other wrestler's cage match page and look through their singles matches, I, do, I don't know if I'd be able to say that. But with Yamato, I mean, I'm back I'm back in 2015 when T-Hawk beat him in King of Gate. And I'm like, yep, I remember that. Before that, it was Hulk at World. Yep, I, you know, this is a, a credit to Dragon Gate here. Really, really, I, I, I don't need to pat themselves. I, I don't need to pat them on the back for booking Yamato. But boy, have they booked Yamato well. <laughs> and now you're getting basically to a decade of history of protection. Yes. Yeah. And it shows, you know, because now you can do a cool match like this that feels hot. If you are parachuting into this show and you're going, hey, Yamato versus Hiromu, cool dream match, match just to happen. I would encourage you to go back, listen to the J podcast. We explain uh, the storyline behind this match, which has been brewing for months online and at the All-Star Junior Festival and they pay it off here. It's good stuff. The Open the Twin Gate Championship match, it is the champion team, Susumu Mochizuki, Yazushi Kanda, fresh off of taking the belts off of Congo, putting them on the line against Gold Class, BB, Hulk, and Benkei. And this is, as I've been hammering this point home over the last few months, if they have a Kobe World Twin Gate match to the level that we expect it to be, does that fully put Susumu and Kanda in the driver's seat of Tag Team of the Year? I think it does, just because Aussie Open is out of the race at this current moment, and I like Goto and Yoshihashi, but I, I don't like them as much as everybody else. Young Bucks, you know, Matt Jackson's been hurt all year. They haven't had a ton of great matches. FTR, you know, I'm not going to vote for FTR on a, on a moral ground, <laughs> more so than anything. Uh, and Mochizuki Jr. got hurt, so they would edge above the M3K team of Masaki Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. with a great match here. Problem is, I don't know if this is going to be a great match. I don't 
I don't have a good feel for this one. This is a weird pairing to me. You've got to rely on Conda and Hulk delivering in a big match, which I don't want to be in that position in 2023, even with Susumu and Ben in there. I, I don't even have a real good feel for who I think is going to win this, which is why I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. I feel like you have some mileage in, in Mochizuki and Conda. I think that like this is the kind of like the last dance. I think we could both agree for Conda and with Susumu, he might have another big tag team run. I think that that we can't discount that possibility. But I like this team a lot. And whereas Hulk and Benkei, like, look, you put Benkei out there, I'm gonna have a good time. Like that, that there's no one who is better at giving someone a good time than Bing and Benkei in pro wrestling. He just comes out, he starts trash talking everyone in this. He starts talking about how he's gonna make everyone's hopes and dreams come true. It's gonna be fine at this. But I Kanda and Hulk in this position, maybe I was being unfair about my distaste for Yamato's singles matches. This really is the match that it could very easily go down south. And I think everyone who's familiar with Dragon Gate can kind of see that there's more ways that this match can underwhelm than overwhelm. I went on a big uh, impassioned rant last year talking about the history of the Twin Gate match at Kobe World and how, you know, Shima and Ricochet versus Pac and Dragon Kid and, uh, you know, Tozawa and Hulk versus Doi and Ricochet and then the three-way tag in 2019. You know, historically, the Twin Gate match on World has been the best match on the show. And that was before we saw Shun Skywalker and Diamante versus Jason Lee and Jackie Funk and Kamei last year. Boy, did I look smart after that. What a good rant that was by me. I feel very confident saying that Susumu and Kanda versus Benkei and BB Hulk not going to reach the same heights as the Twin Gate match last year. It could very well be like a three and a quarter start match. And we go, okay, that was, that was fine, whatever. I do think in the long run, it's foolish not to do Susumu and Kanda versus Mochizuki and Mochizuki. And I think they retain here. And I think we quickly move in that direction. And with Oda Say Gymnasium coming up, that's a that's a hometown match for the Mochizukis. Yep, that that's you know, that's second from the top at Dangerous Gate. Nobody nobody bats an eye. Right, yeah, no, for sure. Uh Bosu 10 match series revival number two, our main man, the greatest comedy wrestler of all time, and the lineal open the Wara Gate champion, Kona Maui Chikawa versus X. Clubhouse leader is Shingo Takagi as X case. Can you put up a case for anyone else? I was gonna say Mochizuki Jr., but he's actually booked for this show. I, uh, I, I, you got to go Shingo here, right? Yeah, it's something where Shingo is just seems obvious, but that also means like, wouldn't it be kind of? I, I don't think he's able to do it, but with him reemerging, how about Sua? God, that'd be so cool. That yeah. you know, that goddamn, that'd be so cool. Um. Maybe Yokohama. He he's in, he's Yokohama based. I think now. Maybe Yokohama. Maybe the Yokohama in January to conclude the ten match series. That'd be really really. I hadn't even thought about that. That that'd be so cool. Just you know, Sua. Again, I'll over explain here. Torimon guy, Torimon legend, uh, leaves Drangate very early on in the history of Drangate because he is sick of their uh, what do you call it sideshow pro wrestling or something. Uh, social dance wrestling, aka tired of Magnum. Yeah, I, social dance bullshit might have been the exact quote. And so he goes to Noah, has the great Kenta matches in Noah. 
hurt, retired, comes back out of retirement, hurt again. And we were under the assumption for many years that he was everyone. Yes. Yeah. That he was in very bad shape. Didn't really like to be seen by the public. Uh, was, you know, I guess for lack of a better way of describing it, living a very sad life. And then all of a sudden last year, he reemerges on Twitter healthy. You know, our our fears about his health were, were true. He just, he got healthy, uh, had a, a, what sounds like a pretty miraculous turnaround. And is now, he seems like the nicest man on earth. He goes to Fortune Dream. He went to Dragon Gate. He's hanging out. He's talking about old moves, the origin of the John Woo dropkick. That'd be awesome if he could come out do a john woo and beat stalker here that would you know that would actually that would move me i'd really like to see that i think it's fair to say that wrestling has not seen sua smile as much throughout his entire career as he has been on twitter 100 percent, 100 percent. so sua would be my shot in the dark here for this matchup any other uh guesses you would make uh, we, we've done Marafuji. Muto's retired. F- they've done Fujinami before. Kojima, Kojima, Lariat, Kojima, Lariat. That'd be fun. Uh, God, I want to see Stalker versus Ok Okada so bad, but I don't think that's going to be here. <laughs> that gosh, I, I, you know how I've been fascinated about Shingo Takagi's week. He's happening, yeah, right now. Imagine Okada's week being like, yeah, no, I uh, did a main event at uh, Forbidden Door, uh, had a incredible match with someone who broke his arm partway through it, and then I got on a plane, did nothing, and then showed up to Kobe to wrestle someone who is in canon, the weakest wrestler of all time. You got to think Ultimo's Japanese retirement show. That's probably the match, right? A stalker versus Okada. If there is... It, if there's any good in this world, yeah, if there. If we live in a kind universe, even in the slightest, we get that match. Is Okada? He's not booked for Arena Mexico this week, right? I did no, not. He's see not. Him on card. He's not. That's that sucks. I yeah. I know they're doing the Naito thing there. I would have really liked to have seen Okada in this year's CMLL environment, uh, doing some cool stuff at Arena Mexico on Friday. That's such a shame that he's not there. Tiger Mask is though. Yeah. Hey, I mean Tiger Mask making an appearance. No, no hate. I get it. I I would book Tiger Mask if I could too. I get it. I would just also book Okada. <laughs> hey, I mean, did Okada face off against people in the eighties? No, Tiger Mask. That who cares if it, this is a different Tiger Mask? Tiger <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what is next on the card after Konami Shikawa? Well, we talked about this a little bit. Tag team match, Masaki Mochizuki and Kano versus Don Fuji and Shuji Kondo. Anything else you wanted to add on to it? No, finish is not in, con- in, uh, in a consequence here. Uh, result doesn't matter, but should be an awesome match. Just guys being dudes. Uh, the uh, first title match on the show is match two. Open the Brave Gate Championship. Jason Lee defends against Ishin. If Ishin is able to make the 82 kilogram mark by the first, there will be a weigh-in at Kobe Art Center. Gotta hope Ishin makes weight. If not, super awkward, and I worry about the long-term prospect of Ishin if he misses weight. I talked about this match earlier. I said this match has a really important spot on the card because much in the same way that 2019, to go back to that show, you know, KZ versus Skywalker was booked in a, a random and rare singles match pretty early on. And, you know, when that match was announced, I was like, oh, cool, okay, you know, I, I've never seen this before. This should be pretty good. 
And then they went out there and murdered it. I just had, you know, a, a ridiculous match that has paved the way for the future ridiculous KZ versus Skywalker matches. And I think at that point, we knew we were watching something pretty special. And I, I look at 2019's world as one of the best Dragon Gate shows of all time. If we get something special with Jason and Ishan, and I think Jason has had a lot of very good Brave Gate matches, or at least a lot of very good matches this year, some for the Brave Gate, some, you know, otherwise. He needs a great Brave Gate match, and Ishan needs a big breakout performance. This match can accomplish those two things and really set this show on a, oh, this could be special note. And that's what I'm really hoping we get out of this. Yeah, uh, Ishan doesn't make weight. I, yeah, uh, bad things in the future. Like, I, which is funny because, like, you, you remember that, that Triangle Gate match years ago where Shimizu forgot his gear? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like Shima Fuji and I think Gamma and Shimizu forgets his, it was was zombie veterans. Yeah. Yeah. And they're wrestling the triangle gate belt uh, for the triangle gate belts against Shimizu, T-Hawk and Ata, I believe. Cause I I think this was when they were doing generation stuff briefly in 2015 and Shimizu loses his gear. So he's wearing like blue trunks on a pay-per-view and Shima being Shima just, Oh my God, he beat him up so bad. It was actually, I remember, the thought was like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Like, this this actually isn't fun. You know, old guy beating up a young guy. This is just kind of a bummer. If Ishan is overweight, I guess Jason Lee gets put in that position. And I've seen him throw forearms. Jason Lee could kill anybody if he tried. But wouldn't that be such a weird dichotomy of, like, Jason Lee playing grumpy veteran and just, like, kicking Ishan with the heel of his boot? That would be so bizarre. That would be... Like, don't get me wrong. That might be the the, the kind of match I'm most interested in coming (laughs) out of this. But uh, I don't know if Jason getting the green light is going to be a good thing long term, though. But yeah, like it's something where Ishan, uh, I've really enjoyed his heel turn more than you have. Uh, And and I've I've liked it, but you've been really into it. Yeah, and it's something where. I felt like he had a couple interesting paths, especially Max Z doing kind of dead behind the eyes kind of thing. And then coming back from his injury now, just going power fighter has been really a lot of fun. And it's something where all these, all this time when he started his kind of elevation with the Mochizuki Jr. feud last fall, we, we got to see more and more of him outside of the rookie role. And, we saw his first heel steps. This is really, I mean, yeah, he was in the Twin Gate match at Dead or Alive, but this is something more so where you would hope that he's going to be able to like really kind of state state his claim and be able to kind of like really show like this crystallized, like completed form of where he wants to be as a wrestler. Because I think we could both agree, even though I'm digging, I've dug a lot of his heel work at times it's not consistent and it's something where I feel like you kind of want to see the, fin- the final product. Ishan has been good since his debut, but if I ask you real quick off the top of your head, what's the signature Ishan match? I don't think you have an answer. Uh, dangerous gate, uh, the, uh, dangerous gate triangle gate match with, uh, Ihashi or Koji Shinriki and, uh, Don Fuji. Okay, good match, but not one that, you know, when if in an ideal world we're writing his Hall of Fame bio, it's going to be a blip on the radar, I think. 
No, no, no. It's something where, like, if you write his bio on his plaque, you mention son of a second-generation wrestler, uh, came to terms with his second-generation position, and then you move on talking about the rest of his career. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a it, nice little match, but it, it's not it's not the signature, hey, you, let's say he goes on excursion. I don't, I don't know what match to send a promoter. He kills it with Jason Lee here. I go, hey, here's the singles match. Here's what he can do for your show. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, and, and I think we're both coming to the same conclusion, but from different ways. I'm coming from it in a want to see what the complete heel Ishan is, and you're coming from it of, hey, man, you need to have your standout match here. There's going to be a lot of weight on both these guys' shoulders. It's going to be very interesting. It's a, it's a really big match, even though it's early on the card. And I, I think the interesting thing about this Kobe world is that, not that it's chalk, I just like look at this and I can't think outside of disaster a reason why Ishan walks out of the building with the white belt. I I think Jason is going to win, but it would right. not surprise me if Ishan does. Looking at the with the exception of the triangle gate that we both have said, like, oh, we can make pretty much even arguments for both sides. I can't think of a Kobe world where I've like walked in with like as concrete of ideas for the uh, the winners coming out of it. And it hasn't changed over like the four weeks since we've had this full card, which I kind of find interesting that they haven't been able to swerve us a little bit. Well, you know, I think Rio Saito's booking patterns and this, you know, this speaks to Drangate as a company for nearly 25 years. But I think specifically with Saito, it's like, OK, there's going to be something on here we don't expect. I, I, I'm leaning towards that just being gold class winning, but it's interesting. You know, a lot of the results seem to be in concrete. We kind of know what's going to happen, but go match by match here. You know, if you're, if you're talking about guys, momentum, leaving the show, you would certainly think strong machine, J up arrow, Diamante up arrow, uh, Shun Skywalker. I could argue could go up a level, throw him in the up arrow. Kakuta could go up a level. Yoshioka, I think stays flat no matter what, you know, gold class as a unit, they could go up a level. Yamato stays flat, probably. Susumu and Kanda, as a unit, could go up a level. Ben K and Hulk, obviously, could go up a level. Jason and Ishin, no matter the winner of this match, both of those guys could raise their profile here. They could go up a level. The, the booking to get to this point has been very well done. Unless something goes wrong, all of these guys should leave in a better spot than they came in with, and that is a testament to the build of the show. Yeah, and it's something that I think when you look at how the calendar has been, being in a position where you can look at the matches that have stakes and say, like, okay, a lot of people can leave this building better than they came in and going into a tournament of which that, unlike the G1, it's something where it's not even, like, the, the block play, it's not about, okay, you can have a great performance through your block matches. This is a scenario where it's one and done it's a knockout tournament so getting these people to have momentum with the parents of momentum is, is i think will be the story coming out of kobe world very much so that leaves us with the opening match yep the opener uh dragon dia la estrella and Ata. what do they talk about going up against kakatora ut and taro nohashi they're probably talking about torimon x uh, this this could be a really fun match or a nothing match, probably no, nowhere in between. But you know, I it's it's cool. I, I like I like all the guys in this match, so I hope it's good. Yeah, it's 
I, I'm glad that when we like look at like who's making the main card, Taro Nahashi getting a main card spot kind of brings a smile to my face. I'm like, hell yeah. He's always He's like, great. Yeah, yeah. Out of the alums that we see often, probably the most consistently good one. Yes, I like him. I you know, if he if he worked a Shuji Kondo schedule, I would not mind. Right. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, he's the one that I, whenever I look at the Torimon reunions or the big shows, I'm not thinking a, about uh, Katsuyori Matsumata, you know, like that's not someone who I need to see a whole lot more of. Yeah. But Taro Nohashi, that's a lot of fun. Uh, I believe this will be La Estrella's last appearance before he returns to North America. I, I know he's, he's back in North America in the quote summer, but I, I would assume this is it as well. He's not on King of Gate. He's not listed in the bracket, right? There, there, there you go. Yeah, I, I don't believe he is. We don't have the we don't have the full card for that Corkin yet, obviously, but he's not in King of Gate, so. So I, I think at least for me, like the intrinsic Taro Nohashi, glad to see him, and then also would really like to see La Estrella leave back from or, or depart on a strong note. I think that as probably the most open critic of La Estrella, I think that seeing the evolution of La Estrella during this time period, this return, and the steps forward have been really encouraging. And it's something where I'm really hoping that we get to see more of the wrestler uh, that under the La Estrella match and see more of them and not the character. And, you, you know, I don't think I would have been, I don't think I anticipated coming away from La Estrella's return. Uh, I didn't anticipate like coming away thinking very positive, like, oh, he's going to be back. I was probably, I was more dreading it, Case, but he, I think he's coming away with a really good spring that he had. Give me a letter grade on it. Can I do plus minus? Yeah, yeah, of course. I think I have La Estrella right now, a good, healthy 82. He's a B minus. Okay, that, that helps me. That helps me frame it. I mean, I'd probably give him a C. But that's, an, I mean, he was a failing student beforehand, so it's still an improvement. So for the first time in history, I'm higher on La Estrella than you are. Yeah. Am I known for being high on La Estrella? Now I'm thinking about my choices in life. I, I feel like you are much higher on him. You, you know what? Yeah. Cre- credit, you, you, you called fraud pretty early there. You were kind of on that. I just, it, and it was, it's something that we've seen, like with the Jason match and other things in the build-up to it he is a good pro wrestler it's just the gimmick and the move set is not the one that's best equipped for the guy no as i i've told this story before i'll say it again he has a grappling background and i spoke to somebody who knew him as a young boy and then they found out that he got that gimmick and like wait what he's not a flyer why did they give him he's he doesn't want to fly you know why did they give him that gimmick and you know three years later here we are Speaking of someone who wants to be a flyer, uh, the uh, main event of the pre-show, Advanced Match 2, as they're calling it, the rookie selection team, that high flyer, Ryoya Tanaka, teaming with a returning Mochizuki Jr. against Kai and Hio. Cool match. You know, obviously, Z-Brats are going to win, but stoked that Mochizuki Jr. is back. Yep. I mean, this, given the IL situation, this was the two I wanted to see. Yeah, no, completely. This is a win. This is a win for the fans. And then, kicking off the show, advanced match one. Sachi Hoko Boy, Takashi Yoshida, and Problem Dragon versus Ginky Horiguchi, Punch Tomonaka, and Ho Ho Loon. Listeners may remember from the show with Jay this Monday 
that there's a better than 0% chance that this show or this match on the show does not make air and it remains a Japanese uh, terrestrial pay-per-view exclusive. Uh, if it airs, great. If not, I will live my life. I mean, I would like to see Ho-Ho. You know, Ho-Ho being on tape at Kobe World makes me happy. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But that is Kobe World and the Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival 2023 presented by the Lek Corporation that comes to us July 2nd. It is a 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time bell time. That is 1,500 hours locally. That's 3 o'clock p.m. Japanese Standard Time, 11 p.m. on the West Coast. 7 a.m. for UK, according to uh, Facebook. And That's real quick, I, I know I know this doesn't matter to anybody. I am out of town this weekend. I will not be able to watch the show live. I don't think I'll be able to review the show until Tuesday, which might mean the review, the written review is on Wednesday, and we can't do same-day audio. We have to record when we normally do. I apologize. It's the first vacation I've taken in four years, and it could not have happened on a worse weekend. I mean, both of us have big weekends coming up. Uh, happy birthday to you. I know no one cares. It has been plaguing my existence this week. I'm so stressed figuring out how I'm going to watch and review Kobe World in a timely fashion. I, it's, it's my cross to bear. It's the life I chose. It's killing me inside. I, I, I'm just imagining you, like, finding, like, deciding you need to go to the bathroom more often than normal just to catch uh, the last five minutes of uh, Taro Nohashi versus La Strea. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, um, I, I've, I've thought about it so much this week. I have no good solution. I'm, I'm in my girlfriend's hometown for a few days, which I'm stoked about. Uh, Kansas City, I'm looking forward to it. Never been, but Kobe World Weekend, it just, I'm, I'm stressed. Uh, so, it should be a great show. I'm absolutely stoked for it. Card looks great. A lot of big stuff here. And I look forward to talking about it with you next week. Absolutely. Case, before we get into our last topic, I'm going to spring something on you. Do you want to remember a guy? Real quick, yes. All right. This is a special Kobe World edition that I prepared. Okay. All right. Choi Hong and Man. As, well, they are a foreigner, but it's not Choi Hong Man. All right. Uh, foreigner. Okay. Primarily uh, was over during the Dragon Gate USA period. Scott, well, Scott Reed was over in December. It's not Scott Reed. Four it is not Scott Reed. Okay, all right. That's my guess, Scott Reed. They participated in only one Kobe World. Peter Casa. Is not Peter Casa. And the Summer Adventure Tag League of that year. Whew. Okay. Mm -mm. Mike Seidel did not do a tag. Mike Seidel is not my guess. Um, a guy that did a tag league. Is it Drastic Boy? Good guess, but no. Okay. Uh, the last clue, this wrestler, better known through... Their UK and US work. Did a tag I do, league. I do have one more clue for you. Okay. Was involved with World One. 
Mark Haskins. We have a winner, Mark Haskins. Man, okay. All right, that was uh, well done. I was not expecting that. Good hints. I got there in the end. Hey, you know, I this is out of the four we've done. This is the first one you've won. You will get to take home with you a Ronco rotisserie chicken. Uh, <laughs> case uh, before we go, uh, as Kobe World kicks off, it kicks off the second half of 2023 for Dragon Gate. Let's talk about some predictions for the last half of 2023 before we get out of here. Yeah, I, I put together a list of three predictions I have for the back half of the year. Mike, you did the same. Voices of Wrestling Discord, open the VoiceGate channel. If you have one prediction, if you have two, if you have three, however many you have, I would love to hear what people think is going to happen post-Kobe World. Mike, you want me to give my three first, and then you can give your three? Sure thing. Okay, prediction number one. As we enter 2024, Jason Lee will still be your Open the Brave Gate champion. Any qualms, any like notes that. there? Yeah, you like that? I like that. Give him that run that we want for him. Prediction number two. At some point in 2023, Shun Skywalker and Yuki Yoshioka will be Open the Twin Gate champions together. I like that one because you're supposing either Shun turns face, not going to happen, Yuki Yoshioka turns heel. More like, Much more likely. I like that one, Case, because that's a twofer. That's a twofer. Well, and they relate to prediction number three, which is by the end of the year, our heel unit will consist of leader Shun Skywalker, second in command, Yuki Yoshioka, third post, Jackie Funky Kamei. No longer funky when he turns heel. There is no funk when you're evil. Was it Jackie Braddy Kamei? Is that the gimmick they do? I don't know what they do, but I, I think, I, I think you know, vibes will still be together. I, I the problem is, I thought of a prediction while we were doing this podcast that could kill Zebrats, and I kind of liked that one. But I'm gonna stick. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with this: that Shun Yoshioka and Kamei are gonna be heels by the end of the year together. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right. So my first prediction is pretty chalk. This is the 100% one. Diamante unmasks and then joins Babyface Gold Class. Pretty. I'm, I'm all for it. Yep. Now we're getting into the weird stuff. They're kind of... Two and three are kind of reflexive of each other. Okay. Uh, by the near complete unit shuffle by 2024, we're going to see some shakeups. Uh, it's The situation, it's tenuous. But however, this will be, remain a topic conversation the units will still feel too small. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. That I'm looking forward to circling back to that in December because that's an interesting way of framing that. I think that we are gone from the idea of having seven, eight people units. I, it, you just look at how things have laid out and you're not getting past six in modern Dragon Gate. And I think it's bad, but that it, it is something that we will always find. There will always will be a time where I'll be like, case this is a situation where i wish the heel unit had another person you could do more of the heel unit then and i think that that's going to remain a topic of discussion i think that's fair what is uh, prediction number three as a result of this unit shuffle it is finally kz time kz wins the dream gate but it is as the new heel unit leader wow all right, I I don't see that happening. So that is very interesting that you have that down. You see, I went most obvious, kind of obvious. 
the, the, the unit's landscape is still tenuous than my moonshot. K, heal KZ, first time Dreamcake champion. I I am not of that belief. I am so off of the KZ is going to be Dreamgate champion. Quite frankly, until I see it, you know, any any sort of pipe dream scenario that involves him winning, I just I don't have it in me. I I, I don't have it in me right now, and, and we'll see. Maybe a heel turn changes my mind. Obviously, a heel turn you would think that would lead to a Dreamgate run, but I don't I don't think that's in the cards for 2023. I'm not sure that's in the cards for 2024. Yeah, and. It- at least in my mind, if I were to play this out, I don't think KZ would be a long heel champion. I think it would be something to kind of have like whoever the main character is of 2024 knocks them off at that first cork and or at Yokohama, you know? For sure. Yeah. Yep. But well, I, I like those. And uh, yeah, that, 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 that will do. Sorry to cut you off there, Mike. But uh, please, if you have predictions, put them in the Open the Voice Gate Discord. I think that'd be a very fun activity to, to look at. No, I'm sorry for interrupting you with that. Absolutely, hit us up on Twitter at Open Voice Gate with your predictions, or come hang out with us in the Discord and the Open Voice Gate channel. And we're also the best place to talk about Dragon Gate on the internet. I would argue would be the Dragon Gate channel and the Voices of Wrestling Discord. And you could follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fuchiheya. Case, anything? Any last words before Kobe World? I always look forward to Kobe World. This year is no different. Absolutely. Can't wait. And we will be back with you next week reviewing the 24th Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival. Take care, everyone. My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of All Elite Wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW, are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on The Good, The Bad, and The Hungi every week on the Voice of the Wrestling Network.